everyone. Uh, my name is John. I am so happy to see all of your bright and smiley uh, faces today. Uh, so uh, today uh, we are talking about excuses. Uh, and so just in case anyone is not sure what an excuse is, let me take away your excuse for not knowing what an excuse is. So a uh, definition of an excuse is something offered as a justification or as grounds for being excused. It's some sort of a, ah, I know I was supposed to, uh, I know I ought to, I know I probably should, but, comma, whatever your excuse might be. And we are all very good at offering excuses. We offer excuses uh, for lots of different things. Uh, So we offer excuses for why we don't make the health decisions that we need to make. Uh, We offer excuses for why we don't exercise, uh, for why we haven't started the new habits that we know we should do, why we haven't stopped doing the bad habits. Uh, We have excuses of what happened to those New Year's resolutions. I I was confident and something happened there. Uh, We have excuses that we use in our family. We have excuses that we use in our jobs. We have excuses that we use at school and on and on and on. We are all very good at offering excuses. Uh, So just to kind of get the idea going a little bit more, uh, Reader's Digest uh, did a study a little bit ago where they asked readers to submit what are some of the favorite excuses that you have ever heard or that you have ever given. Uh, And here's some of their top excuses. Uh, that people gave. Uh, So this one said, my husband hasn't been to the gym in over a year. One day I asked him to come with me. He said, no, uh, I need to lose a few pounds before I go back. Uh, And so maybe some of you have used that one before. Uh, Here's another one. said, once when my dad received an invitation to do something he obviously didn't want to do, he replied, ah, I can't go. I have to change the furnace filter. And now, whenever anyone in my family doesn't want to do something, that's what we tell each other. And I love that because that's, we'll get to this, but that's sometimes the real excuse is the excuse is I just don't want to. And then we kind of make up something else to kind of justify why we really didn't want to do it to begin with. But you guys can use that from now on. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, It said, my roommate excuse, excuse for not being able to wash her dishes is I'm allergic to hot water. So teenagers in the room, feel free to use that one with your parents. See how that one goes. Uh, And one more, uh, said, I lost my homework fighting a kid who said you weren't the best teacher ever. Uh, So you can try that one out too. Uh, And then multiple different places in the Reader's Digest study and other places that that I looked, the number one excuse of why people don't do things, especially when it comes to things that they know they should do, they, they were supposed to do, things especially with health or exercise or spirituality, as we'll talk about. The number one excuse, anyone know it? Forgot? Okay. Number one excuse was busy. Yeah, I am just way too busy, which... I wanted to add, this is like a little bit of a side issue for what we're going to talk about today. This isn't a a sermon about sermon and hurry, Uh, but this does remind me, uh, we've done a lot over the last year uh, talking about just like the pace in which we live our lives and intentionally doing rest, especially Sabbath. And so I do think that's just something for us always to keep in mind. Uh, We've looked at this quote before uh, by a guy named Dallas Willard, and he says that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And for many of us, as we going through the next 20 minutes thinking about all these different things. Potentially, 
what is preventing us from some of the most important things in our life, with our families, with our health, romance, Jesus, is that we are just way too busy. And this is an excuse that we need to address at some level in our life. Uh, but there's other excuses we'll talk about as well. Uh, and so what we want to talk about today is the excuses we use about discipleship. What are our discipleship excuses? If you've been with us uh, since the beginning of January and really, I don't know, for the last nine years, the existence of this church, we've been spending a lot of time talking about the idea of discipleship, that what we want to be as a church is we want to be a group of disciples, which is really kind of that next level. And so we don't want to be people who just believe in Jesus. Uh, we don't want to be people who just like like some of the things that Jesus said. Uh, we don't want to be people who just come to a building every once in a while and worship and sing songs. We want to be disciples. And what we've said is that what a disciple is, is that a disciple is someone Go to the next one there. A disciple is someone who looks at the teachings of Jesus. And so that is both the things that Jesus taught. Here's what he said. Here's what he commanded. And the things that Jesus did, the way in which he lived his life. So we want to be people that study the things that Jesus said. And we want to study the way in which Jesus lived his life. And then we want to obey everything that Jesus said to do. We want to try to actually put all of those things into practice regularly in our lives. Uh, and what we've said over the last couple months is that there's a really big carrot at the end of actually trying to obey everything that Jesus said to do, and that is the idea of eternal life. Uh, and what we've said over and over again is that when we think of the idea of eternal life, and especially when Jesus talks about eternal life, Jesus almost always meant more than just when you die someday, you can go to heaven. And so Jesus is talking about right here, right now, in your real, everyday, ordinary life, it is possible for you to have eternal life. It is possible for you right now in this room Later on today when you're at lunch, later on when you're at work tomorrow, wherever you might be in your real life, it is possible for you to experience what Jesus described as eternal life, life to the full. And there's lots of different ways. So kind of the question then is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And there's a lot of different poles in this world of how you get eternal life. And this is the general tension that we all feel when it comes to discipleship. And this is why we offer excuses of why we don't want to be a disciple, is we feel these two poles. So you have the way in which the world is telling us that you can have eternal life. And there's a way that Jesus is telling you. That the world is saying, if you want, the way is to be busy. That's talked about it back in our Sabbath series. It's actually like a status symbol now to say like, oh, I'm just, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. And like, if you have a lot of things going on, if you've got a lot of irons in the fire, like there's something that's like, that's like you're really successful if you're really busy. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 it's, it's the unhurried people. People are like, what did you do this weekend? Eh, just kind of hung out, just kind of relaxed, took a Sabbath. That's actually the eternal life. Uh, what we talked about uh, on our last live gathering. Uh, the world says the people who have eternal life are the people who have the most. Most money, biggest house, nicest car, uh, nicest clothes. The more you have, the better your life's going to be. 
And Jesus comes along and says, no, actually, the, the more you give away, and actually, the, in, the more you're intentionally living simply and living on less so that you can give more away, that's actually the eternal life. Uh, the more uh, the world says, love me first, uh, Jesus says, love others first. Uh, the world says you need to lie. You need to make yourself look a little bit better than you really are. Uh, spin yourself a little bit. You know, show your Instagram self. Don't show your real self. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Like, it's the authentic, the true people who actually, uh, the world says to be uh, uh, independent. Uh, Jesus says uh, to be, sorry, the world says to be uh, interdependent. Uh, and the world, I, I messed those two up. That's wrong. The, the world says you're supposed to be, yeah, no, I'm right. I'm figuring this out. Okay, yeah, the, the world says, yeah, that you need to be uh, independent. You, you need to try to be as, as, as yeah, self-sufficient, thank you, as you possibly can. Uh, and then Jesus says, no, 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 if you want to be the real eternal life, if you're dependent on other people. Sometimes there's this idea of like, oh, you're just following Jesus because it's a crutch in your life. And Jesus would say, yeah, to live your life as if you need a crutch. I can't do everything myself. I need other people. I need God. That's the way uh, the world says revenge. Jesus says forgive. Uh, the world says comparison. Jesus says content. And over and over again, we feel this tension of how we're supposed to live. Are we going to live in the way that the world says, or are we supposed to live in the Jesus way? And we fight these tensions all the time. And so here's a, a tension of way in which I experienced this this week. And so I wanted to give you kind of a super normal example, because every once in a while, these are like big decisions that we need to make as far as discipleship. But sometimes they're just little simple things that we have to make over and over and over again. Uh, and so Wednesday, this past Wednesday, uh, I got back to my house uh, at the end of the workday, and I, I had my kids with me. I picked them up, and my daughter went up to her room, and she said, Dad! I was like, oh, what's going on? The, the cat, this is a little gross, the cat threw up in my room, uh, or somehow some, something gross came out of our cat. Uh, and so what you should know... Uh, about our household is we have three pets, actually. Some of you guys might not know this. Um, we have a turtle that's been my turtle since I was in third grade, which is pretty cool. I still have it, so that's kind of fun. His name's Leonardo because, obviously. Uh, and then uh, we have a cat and we have a dog. Uh, the dog is, for the most part, my pet. It's a family pet, but, like, I love her. She's my dog. And so when it comes to the chores, the responsibilities, I'm the one for the most part who gives her baths. I trim her nails. Um, if there's stuff in the backyard that she produced and I need to, I'm the one who picks it up. It's, it's my dog, and that's kind of known. The cat, on the other hand, the cat and I kind of have like a, an arrangement where it's like, you stay over there, I stay over here, and it's, it's my wife, and it's my daughter's pet, and it's fine. And so... Uh, and, and they, for the most part, take care of everything that needs to be taken care of for the cat. And so my daughter says, ah, the cat, and, and Ashley wasn't home yet. And so my first thought was, not my problem. Uh, that's, I, I, Ashley will be home in a while. I guess she'll figure it out. That's, you know, that, that's, that's her deal, because just my natural default, as maybe yours is, is to go into the, like, hey, what's going to be me for, what's going to make me better? Let me live in that world. And then I had literally uh, just been putting together, finishing at work that day, the slides for this sermon. So I was like, ah, crap, I, I need a story to tell. So I, in that moment, uh, I decided to choose the way of going and serving my family and doing what was not actually supposed to be my responsibility. And it's over and over and over again, we feel these tensions of like, am I going to do the Jesus thing 
Or am I going to do something else? And what's the excuses that we give in the midst of that? Uh, and so this is just kind of over and over and over again. Go to the next one there. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at uh, two different uh, examples today of folks that had the opportunity to become disciples, and they offered excuses. Uh, and these are both found in Mark chapter 8. And so you can uh, follow along if you want to, if you have a Bible app on your phone or uh, if you have a Bible with you. Uh, we're going to be a little bit all over the chapter at one section of this. Uh, but here's what it says. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And so this this is kind of it. This guy, this is kind of the definition of what discipleship is. This guy wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be a disciple. He's like, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm just going to, if you go to this place, I'm going to go to this place. If you go to these people, I'm going to go to these people. Like, wherever you, I'm going to do whatever you do. That's kind of like the total picture. But then Jesus kind of follows him up with a question to say, okay, you're saying, because it's, it's one thing to say, I will go everywhere. I will do everything. It's one thing to come to a service and sing songs about like, oh, no, I'm just going to love Jesus forever. And here's a, but then to actually live it out. And so Jesus is going to push this guy a little bit. So here's what Jesus says next. He says, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Uh, or here's the same verse, just in a different translation of the Bible, the message translation, which I like. It says, Jesus was curt to the guy. He's a little bit, uh, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends you know. Uh, and here's how I would interpret what Jesus is saying here. It's just saying, I, you're saying you would go with me everywhere, anywhere you would go, but what if that equals being inconvenient, uncomfortable, or sacrificial? What if in the spirit of following me, wherever I'm going to go, we end up in some sort of a circumstance that just feels very inconvenient for your life, or uncomfortable, or sacrificial? And this is like all throughout Jesus' life, as he's regularly asking people to do very inconvenient, uncomfortable, and sacrificial things. So you look at just this one chapter. So there's this whole kind of story of all these things that Jesus did. But if you just look at this one chapter of Mark chapter 8 and kind of put it through this lens. Uh, So here's where uh, the chapter starts off. Uh, It says, A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so uh, leprosy was this kind of terrible skin disease. And back then it made you kind of unclean. So people had just because your, your skin was just so gross, people didn't want to touch you. And then by, by the Jewish religion, people weren't even allowed to touch you. So if you had leprosy, you were kind of ostracized. You had to be away from your family. You had to be away from the community. You weren't allowed to go to the temple. Like nobody wanted to be near someone who had leprosy. But Jesus not only talked to this guy, spent time with this guy, but he touched him. Are you you're willing to follow me everywhere I go? Well, what if we go to the leper colonies? What, what if we go to the people that nobody else wants to spend time with? The people that nobody else wants to touch? The people that other people would think are like not even like worthy to like live in our civilization? Like If we go there and I touch them, are you willing to like do that? Uh, then, and the next story it says that when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Uh, so a centurion is, is a Roman soldier, and the Roman Empire had conquered uh, Israel at that point. And so the 
Rome was the bad guys. They were the enemies. They were the ones that were responsible for the kind of military-like rule over Israel. They were the ones who were the reason why taxes were so high. Like everything that was difficult in people's lives, for the most part, people pointed the finger squarely to the Roman Empire and especially to the soldiers that were occupying their area. People in Israel hated the Roman Empire. And here's this Roman centurion who's asking Jesus for help and Jesus actually helps him. You're willing to go with me wherever I go? Well, what if we go to your enemies? What if Republicans, we go and spend some time with some Democrats? Democrats, what if we go and spend some time with Republicans? Uh, what if we go to those people that hurt you, that family? What if in me going everywhere I go, what if it includes really, really difficult people. Again, what if following me becomes very inconvenient, very uncomfortable, or sacrificial? Uh, and then there's the story of the, the two guys that are going to ask Jesus to be disciples, and they both offer their excuses that we'll get to. And then uh, this is the next story that happens then. So then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him, because that's what disciples do. But suddenly, a ferocious storm came up on the lake. And the idea is that we believe Jesus was God, and so Jesus kind of knew every situation wasn't a surprise for him. He knew what he was getting himself into. And so in this scenario, Jesus is intentionally getting into a boat, getting his disciples into a boat with full knowledge that we are going headlong into a storm. Sometimes there can be this idea that following Jesus means we're going to it's going to be easy, it's going to be comfortable, like, you know, Jesus is going to make good things always happen in your life. But if you read, I mean, sometimes Jesus leads you directly into a furious storm in your life. Uh, and then the last part of uh, this in Matthew chapter 8, it says uh, when they got in the boat and they went across in the storm and they finally, they arrived at the other side, uh, which doesn't mean all that much to us, uh, but uh, here's a, a map of the area. And so uh, this is the Galilee, which Jesus spent most of his time over in the Galilee. And then here's the Jordan River. And then here's this area over here called the Decapolis. And there's very kind of, I don't really know like what this would be here in Albany, but sometimes it's going to be these like, very strict dividing lines of like, here's this neighborhood and then here's this neighborhood. You know, here's these people live over here and these people live over here. Uh, I used to live in Gilderland, uh, worked in Gilderland. And a lot of times when we would like go down and spend time in Albany, and then when we would go down and we, we actually moved into Albany, uh, there was a thought among some people, and we had some Gilderland people here, we love Gilderland people, but there was a thought, every once in a while I would talk to people who lived in Gilderland, when we would talk about going down to Albany, like, oh, you're going into Albany? Like, I mean, there's people just like with like machine guns in the back of trucks, like, you know, there's stuff on fire constantly, like, oh, I can't believe you're like going there. And, uh, and then we moved into Albany, and sometimes we would talk to people in our neighborhood, and we're like, oh yeah, no, we're going to go up. We're going to go to like the mall. And like, oh, you go to the mall? Like, you know, don't you know? There can be this like idea like these kind of people don't go. Uh, and then there's obviously way more difficult things, you know, places like in Ireland, a place like, where it's just like these groups do not cross. And there, apparently there was two different, very different, so here's kind of these very religious Jewish people that lived in the Galilee. And then here's these very like Greek, Roman, pagans, you know, offering sacrifices over here in the Decapolis. And any good Jewish boy would never cross over the Sea of Galilee and go to the other side. And just like, now let's, let's go over and let's spend some time with the other side. And then uh, when they got there, 
So when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came up from the tombs and met them. And they were so violent that no one could pass that way, which is kind of exactly what they would expect. See, I told you this is what Albany was like. I told you this is what, because it's just a demon-possessed people that are violent everywhere. You want to follow me? Everywhere I go, are you willing to go into the neighborhoods? Are you willing to go into the places where everyone else is like, it's not safe there. It's not okay. You shouldn't be in those countries. You spend some time in those people. What if Jesus calls you somewhere that is difficult, that is inconvenient? And Jesus kind of pushes this guy on this. And we actually don't know exactly what, but kind of the normal thought is that this guy then said, yeah, you're right. That's, that's a bridge too far. I'm willing to go everywhere, but not there, not to those kind of places. Uh, then there was uh, uh, another guy. So again, inconvenient, uncomfortable, sacrificial, didn't want to do it. Uh, next one. Uh, so then there was another guy. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Um, but Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead, which oh, sounds like a kind of a harsh thing that Jesus said. Uh, two different ideas of maybe what's going on here uh, with this guy who wants to bury his father. Uh, almost everybody agrees that this guy... The funeral wasn't like imminent. It wasn't like in our world now where like someone might pass away and then there's like a week or so where they're like planning the funeral. Uh, back then, people died and then they went right into the process of doing the funeral. It just happened very, very quickly. And so two ideas of what was going on here. Some people think that what was going on is that this guy's dad was like completely alive. He was totally fine, totally healthy. He was saying, like, I, I'm just kind of in this season of life where like, I'm, kind of, I'm working for my dad. We got like a family business thing. And like someday, years from now, decades from now, who knows, my, my dad's going to pass away. And so whenever he's not here and I don't have those family obligations anymore, then maybe I will come follow you. Uh, some other people think uh, that there was a ritual back then that once people died and they were buried, there would be a year-long process, uh, again, it's a little gross, where their bodies would be decomposing. And then after that year, then they would gather up their bones and kind of put them in a box. And so some people think they were in this year-long period of just kind of like waiting, you know, the guy was already dead, but just kind of like waiting for him to decompose. We don't really know, but maybe one of those two options. But where I think Jesus' point now with this guy is this idea of first. Yeah, not for sure, Jesus. I, I, I want to follow you. I'm very interested in this whole discipleship thing. But first, there's this thing I need to take care of. It's this idea of like, not now I'm not going to do this, but maybe later. And I think a lot of us can understand that excuse. Uh, just as an example, uh, if you look... On your table, there's uh, the program, and some of you guys maybe have looked at the program every week that you've been here. Maybe you're here for the first time. It's your first time ever looking at the program. Uh, but on the kind of left side of the program there, there's a list of different discipleship activities that we've been talking about for, I don't know, a year and a half now or so. Uh, we've talked about the idea of having a regular Sabbath every single week, taking a whole day off for rest, relaxation, which that's key for discipleship. We've talked about the idea of doing a daily office, having daily time where you just spend time with Jesus and listen. Uh, and then we've been talking about the idea of generosity. We especially talked about it over the last couple weeks. And I think many of us have looked at those activities as well as other discipleship activities, and we've had this idea of like, sounds great. I love the idea of having a regular Sabbath. But first, 
I just, I got to get through the season of work right now. We got this stuff going on with our family right now. I got, and once the, I like the idea, you know, not now, but like someday I'm going to do it. I love the idea of doing the daily office. I love the idea of starting to be generous, but like first there's some other things I got to do first. Uh, again, I love the way that this is the same text again. This is the message version. This is another follower said, Master, excuse me for a couple of days. Please, I have my father's funeral to take care of. Decades from now or, you know, at the end of the year once his uh, skin rots off his bones. Jesus refused. First things first. And one of the tough things that we all have to decide in this process of becoming a disciple is what is really going to be our priority. What's really the thing that we're going to say before anything else, I'm going to put this first, and then everything else comes after this. Uh, Here's what I would like us to to do with all of this, is I would like you to try to answer this question over the next two weeks or however long you need. Uh, What are, what's your excuse? What's your excuse of why you have decided to not become a disciple follower of Jesus in the like 100% I like absolutely totally want to follow Jesus? Uh, Because one of the things that I'm talking about is that over and over and over again, this is the call that Jesus makes. And Jesus for the most part doesn't equivocate, like he doesn't water it down. Over and over again, Jesus didn't say, like, all right, here's kind of the subject level, but if you want to do, like, the, you know, minus version, if you want to do, you know, like, the media, that's fine. Like, Jesus kind of puts it out here and says, here's what it looks like, and you can decide whether you want to follow or not. Uh, Again, here's what uh, Dallas Willard says. He says, the disciple is one who is intent upon becoming Christ-like, and so dwelling in his faith and practice, it systematically and progressively rearranges his affairs. Wait, where do you want me to go? Let me rearrange things so I can be in that difficult place that might be inconvenient. How can I do Sabbath? How can I do daily office? How can I regularly uh, find a way to be generous? Let me rearrange the things in my life so that that can happen even if other things tend to go behind. Jesus regularly kind of holds this high banner out of here's what it looks like. And for many of us, we look at that and say, it's good, but I have an excuse. And so what's your excuse? And what I think would be incredibly helpful is if over the next two weeks, we all just named it. It'd be great if you wrote it down somewhere. It'd be great if you shared it with a friend. Uh, If you're part of one of our community groups, and you should all be a part of one of our community groups, uh, this is going to be the main discussion next week when you get together, is to just name what is your excuse for not following Jesus, because I think we all have them. Uh, A couple options if you're wondering what excuse you could use. Uh, Maybe your excuse uh, is the one that this guy gave. It's not, I like the idea of following, but I don't like things that are inconvenient, (laughs) I kind of have my life plan. I have things I need to do. I don't like things that are uncomfortable. And the idea of starting to serve in that way, give money in that way, change my lifestyle, have those kind of conversations, uh, the idea of being that sacrificial, I, I don't know, I, I'm, whatever it might be. And so maybe, maybe you, that's your excuse. 
Uh, maybe for uh, some of the rest of you, uh, it's the other guy's excuse. It's, you just have other things that you're like, frankly, I, I do, I like this Jesus stuff, but not as much as I like career goals. <laughs> not as much as I like education goals. Not as much as I like the new living room set I want to buy. Like there's, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just there's other things that are honestly more important to me right now. And maybe someday, but just not right now. Uh, or maybe specifically with money. Maybe it's the guy that we looked at uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and this is a guy who just asked him to follow him. And he's like, no, I, I can't. He's like, I just, I just have too great of wealth. And Jesus, what you're asking me to do is to like give up part of my wealth. And that's, that's a bridge too far for me. And maybe that's your excuse. Uh, or maybe your excuse is more gr- grounded in kind of like a rational, historical, scientific type thing, which would make sense. Uh, and there's a lot of those excuses uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, so this is an excuse from uh, some of Jesus' uh, family. And so Jesus had a family. Uh, Mary, a lot of people think Joseph might have died, and he had some brothers, maybe some sisters. And so all along, as Jesus was growing up, they're like watching Jesus. And so when his family heard about this, and the this is... Jesus had this reoccurring habit of claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be the Son of God, uh, claiming that he was greater than the temple, greater than Moses, greater than David. And regularly when his family was like, who do you think you, like, you're our brother, dude. Like, you're, you're saying you're the, it just sounds a little bit out of your mind for you to be claiming the stuff that you are. And maybe for some of you, you look at Jesus and you're like, the fact that just this normal guy is claiming to be the son of God and claiming, I, it just, it sounds a little bit crazy. It sounds a little bit out of his mind. And so my excuse is that it just, I just don't know if I can get there. And that, that's a good excuse. Uh, or what about this one? Uh, this is some other folks who saw Jesus grow up. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. So these are people that you know, saw Jesus. And they're like, isn't this just like the carpenter? Like, again, like, this is just, this is just a normal guy that we grew up with, we went to school with. I was on the kickball team with him. Like, and now he's claiming all this crazy stuff. And it's just like, you just have like offense of that. Like, who are you to come along and tell me how I'm supposed to live every area of my life? Like, I take offense of that. Like, I'll, I'll take some pointers from you, Jesus. But like, to really make you the absolute king authority in my life, like, it's a little bit offensive. And I get that. That's a, that's a good excuse. Uh, or... Uh, last one, uh, so while he was still speaking, uh, Judas was one of the 12, arrived with him, large crowds armed with swords and clubs. And so when Jesus got arrested, and then later when he would be brought to the cross and when he would be crucified and killed, it said all of his disciples deserted him and fled. Because maybe as they were looking at their Messiah as their rabbi going to the cross, like if, if Jesus is going to be arrested, then if we're following him everywhere, that means that we're going to have to be arrested. No, 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 I'm not willing to go that far. If Jesus is going to be killed, I don't want to go that far. I, I, don't, I don't want to die for this whole thing. Or maybe they just had their hopes so built into Messiah, someday is going to be this conquering hero, and now obviously my expectations of him has failed. And at some point, one of the great things about the Bible is that it is, everyone doubts. Everyone has excuses. And so I want to make it like super clear and like, okay, if you have excuses of why you're not following Jesus, you are not alone. Almost everybody, I think you could easily say everybody, as you look at the, old, at the New Testament of the Bible, these people who followed Jesus, who actually saw him, 
all of them at some point had an excuse of why they thought, I, I just don't know if I can officially follow this guy. And I just think it'd be helpful for all of us to just kind of officially name ours. And so over the next couple weeks, think about it. What is your excuse of why you are not ready to follow Jesus? Uh, here's a, a way that uh, we'll phrase it. Jesus, I am interested in following you fully as a disciple, but I think it'd be super cool if over the next couple of weeks you just made that prayer. Jesus, I'm very interested in following you, but I think you might want me to like change my lifestyle to some degree, and like I, I like those parts of my life, and I, I'm, a, that's, I'm interested, but like that, that, that's worrisome to me. I'm interested in following you, but like as I just think through like the miracles and the supernatural, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around. It's like I'm interested, but like there's just this, this barrier, there's this excuse. And all of us, I think, have something that is our excuse of why it is difficult for us to follow Jesus. Uh, and then what I want to make super normal in our church is that it's okay. Whatever excuse you might have is totally... We don't need to be people that follow just on blind faith. We don't need to be people that are just like, I just believe just because. It's okay. Doubts, questions, excuses are going to happen. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Bible passages uh, is this uh, from Jude. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. And what I love about this, I love just the text in general, but I love who said it. That Jude was one of the brothers of Jesus. This is one of those guys that grew up watching Jesus, heard Jesus make these crazy claims, and were like, I just don't know. It just seems like, I, I don't know if I can like rearrange my whole life to follow my brother who's claiming he's the son of God. Like, I, I have some doubts about this. But then at some point, Jude and many other followers of Jesus who deserted at one point, who had their own excuses, at some point decided, all right, I'm in. We are going to follow Jesus in spite of my excuses. This is what's going to turn around my excuses. And what changed their mind was what we're going to talk about in two weeks when we get together for Easter. But before we get to that, I just want to spend some time thinking about what is our excuse. Uh, here's how it went uh, for Jude. Is that at some point what he decided, this is what happened, Jude says right before there. Just keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord. At some point, this guy who grew up with Jesus, who had lots of doubts, decided that my brother is not actually crazy. He's not out of his mind. He's actually Lord, the king of my life. He is Christ, which means Messiah. And he is the way, the only way to eternal life right here and right now. And therefore, I am going to follow him. But before we could ever get to there, I think we need to name our doubts, and we need to name our excuses. Uh, so before we uh, get ready for communion today, uh, I want to give you a few moments to kind of start this process. So, Stephen, you can go ahead and uh, come up. And I want you to spend a few minutes praying this prayer. As you think about what it is that's preventing you from fully following Jesus— Maybe as you think about what specifically is stopping you from following Jesus in one of the areas that maybe is on your program right now. What's preventing you from practicing Sabbath? 
What's preventing you from following Jesus in daily office or in generosity or in joining a community group or actually finally being honest with your community group? Uh, or whatever it is, uh, starting to serve in that neighborhood, starting to have that conversation, starting to get rid of that bad habit, whatever it is that you've had this feeling that Jesus as a disciple is calling you to something. But you have an excuse. You're interested, but there's something that's preventing uh, would you take a moment and just pray that prayer and just being honest and then just see how in the next two weeks as you pray that and as we get ready for Easter, this giant event that in many ways took away a lot of the excuses, uh, just see what God does in that process. So take a moment by yourself, uh, pray this prayer as honestly as you dare to pray it.